following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. All four Gospels record the baptism of Jesus. None with fewer details than the Gospel of Mark, which does not make writing sermons very easy. Nonetheless, I am still bothered by a question when considering the baptism of Jesus. And I will be 100% honest with you, until my study this week, this question was unsettled in my mind. I did not have a really good answer. I didn't really understand why Jesus got baptized. When we think about... uh, John preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all who acknowledged their guilt, repented of their sin, and sought forgiveness were coming to him to be baptized in the Jordan River. And then Jesus shows up to get baptized by John in the river like everybody else. Well, so what does that mean? Does that mean that uh, Jesus was repenting of sin? That he sought God's forgiveness? Well, that's clearly, that can't be the case because Jesus was without sin. And I think that it's funny to look at the account in the, other, the rest of the Gospels um, to see that even John did not understand what Jesus was doing. Uh, if the account of Jesus' baptism is also recorded in Matthew chapter 3. And in verses 14 and 15, it says, John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus said to him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. So, that answers the question, right? Why did you, uh, not know? <laughs> this is, this is still a non-answer. John says, I should not, I should not baptize you. Uh, you should baptize me. Why do you want me to do this? And Jesus clearly gives his classic answer, because. Now, hmm. We love getting answers like that from the Lord when we ask Him questions. Lord, why do you want me to do this? Because. Okay. Love that. Right? (laughs) Now, let's admit that when the Lord instructs us to do something, He is clearly not required to explain why. Uh, if, If He... If, if we ask him why he wants us to do something and he responds with because, that should be enough. Even so, the answer is because there are several good reasons why uh, Jesus was baptized. Um, now in the church, uh, uh, biblical church, there are only two sacraments. That's the Lord's Supper and baptism. Nothing else. 
Those are the two things we have been instructed to do, um, to bring glory to the Lord, to remember Him and His work. The Lord's Supper symbolizes the work of the Son of God, the sacrifice of His body, the shedding of His blood on the cross. But baptism symbolizes the work of the Holy Spirit. So for Jesus, the Holy Spirit was said to work doing at least three things. How convenient for us there are three things we can talk about when it comes to Jesus' baptism. So the first thing that was accomplished by Jesus' baptism was that Jesus, through his baptism, was identifying with us, with humanity. At Jesus' incarnation, when he's uh, born, he took on all our human frailties, all our human weakness, with one express purpose. Jesus did not... Jesus did not come to earth like a tourist just to see what's going on, see how people live, what, see what life was like down here. He came to experience all that we experience, to suffer in every way that we suffer, to be tempted in every way there is to be tempted, but not give in. His purpose in living 33 and a half years, instead of just coming, kick the door down, take care of sin problem, and go back to heaven, is because it was, he had to live the life that we live, only do it right. Do it perfectly. I can't wait to talk about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness and the wild animals and stuff. I, I'm excited about that. But I couldn't, I only have, we gotta to get to a baseball game, so, um, I had to leave that. We'll talk about it next week. Jesus came to live the life that we could not live because of our sinfulness. He came to live that life and take our sin and sinfulness upon himself at the cross. And Jesus' baptism was his inauguration into the work of God's anointed one, the Messiah. When we say Jesus Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? It's not a curse word like it's used so often now. It means uh, the anointed one, God's anointed one, and he's anointed at his baptism for this work. That's what's going on. Jesus' baptism was an act of identification with us. At verse 10, it says, When he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, it's interesting, I think, to note that the crowd that was there did not see this. Only Jesus and John saw heavens being torn open and the Spirit ascending like a dove on Jesus. Do you know how we know that? Nobody ever talked about it. Don't you think they would? Now, this is just logic, but Scripture records that Jesus saw this because it says, He came up by the water, He saw the heavens, 
and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And John um, is recorded in the Gospel of John, in verse uh, chapter 1, start of verse 32, And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. That's John's witness. So what's going on here? Jesus' baptism was not just an act of identification with us. It was an act of empowerment by God. As Jesus' work as Messiah began, he started down the long road to the cross. The Father gave him the gift of the Holy Spirit. He was anointed by the Father with the power of the Spirit so he could serve the function of the Son here on earth. Now, this is confusing to us because don't we say, isn't Jesus good? Well, yes, of course. Well, what did he need the Holy Spirit for? Because. (laughs) He needs the power of the Holy Spirit to serve the function of the Son, the Lamb of God here on earth. So what did Jesus see? He said, Jesus see the heavens torn open. Oh, that's nice. Like the sun shine really bright, like in our picture. Oh, that must mean bright light, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But that's not what the word means, torn open. See, heavens torn open. Forcefully ripped apart is what he saw. The veil of the heavens was peeled back. I'm curious what's behind there. But the word does not tell us here. But what is, what's happening? The, the, the heavens are forcefully torn open, reflecting the idea of God breaking into human existence to deliver his people. And later in Mark chapter 15, Mark would describe the same idea. Something being torn apart so that God could get through. Do you know what it was? What was torn into at Jesus' death? The veil, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That's not a mistake. That detail was left in there. Ripped apart from top to bottom. Describing a curtain in the temple that separated the people from God's presence. That's what was on the other side of the curtain. The people could only get so far, and then only once a year, the high priest could go on the back side of the, the curtain to get to the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was that represented God's presence on earth. And when he went in there, he had to put bells on his uh, uh, robe and tie a rope around his waist, because if he touched the Ark of the Covenant, he'd die. And you don't want to leave a dead person in there. So they listened to the bells to see if he's still moving around in there, because he can't look. And if he dies, they got a rope around his waist and pull his body back out. Does this sound like sound like a great way to relate to God, right? Trusty one person, one regular guy that's got to go in and and 
take care of the God things for you and once a year and you're good. I sound like going to church on Easter to me. <laughs> once a year for Christmas or counting on one person to take care of all of your religious stuff for you. Yeah, okay, so please don't do that. Uh, please. <laughs> that's not me either. That's not, that's not in my nose. I know why. Heaven is torn open. God breaks into human existence. And when the heavens were torn open, what did Jesus see coming down? The Spirit descended like a dove. Have you ever wondered why a dove? Yeah, the answer is yes. No, you've got to figure it out. It's peace. No, because is because is the answer. That's true. So, is this the first time a dove plays a major or plays a role in God's redemptive story? This is not the first dove recorded in Scripture. Can you think of another one? Oh, it's Arg. Yeah, that's the first dove used in Scripture. A dove brought back an olive branch to Noah on the ark to show that the water was receding. That's not the first, uh, that was the first dove, but not the last one, because it sent out a second dove. And the second dove didn't come back to the ark to show that the waters would receiving, receded and they could leave because the dove found a place to land. And stayed there. God's judgment on the earth had been satisfied for the time being at least, and he used a dove to show it. I think that's very significant. Jesus and John saw the Spirit descending like a dove to show that the work of true and eternal redemption was about to begin. And the Spirit was empowering Jesus for his messianic mission and task of baptizing believers with the Holy Spirit. But have you ever wondered why a dove? Because that's like, I don't know, it's like a pigeon, only white, right? Ray Steadman says football teams sometimes use birds as symbols as emblems, signs of their power and ability, right? With the, the falcons and the eagles. And if you're from Oregon, you even have the ducks. <laughs> but did you ever hear of a team called it Doves? Oh, the fighting doves. Watch out for those guys, right? No team would ever use a dove as a symbol of power because doves are not powerful, they are non-threatening, peaceful, gentle, harmless, and humble, cute little white birds. They, I guess, if you put your finger in their mouth, Linda, they might bite you, I guess. But doves don't, they don't screech like an eagle. They don't call out like a falcon. They coo. Coo. So, dove? Really? Doves symbolize the new life of love. The life of humility and peace that Jesus lived. 
Though Jesus was the lion of the tribe of Judah, I got all excited about this, a gospel of the lion of the tribe of Judah and every act is an act of victory over the powers of darkness and there we have this tiny, puny, white, wimpy bird. His life on earth could not, certainly was not characterized as like a lion. It's like a dove, peaceful and loving. Isaiah 42 says it this way, about Jesus. He said, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, that's the word Messiah, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Even that is a picture of power, bringing justice to the nations. It's going to kick down the doors of the evil empires and take over. But then the next words, He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. This is like a dove, gentle, harmless. Doves symbolize innocence and peace for a good reason. Jesus' baptism was an act of identification with humanity, with us, as the Son of Man. It's an act of empowerment by the Holy Spirit. And finally, it was a sign of assurance from the Father. Verse 11 says, And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Now, John didn't record hearing the voice. He saw the dove, saw the Spirit. Only Jesus heard the voice. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Now we think, cool. That's neat that God would speak and Jesus could hear it. There's so much here. Here is God himself defining Jesus' identity. Not to the crowd, not to John the Baptist, to Jesus himself. Now, I don't know if this was this way in generations past, but I think a lack of identity in our day and age is a lack of security for a person. If you don't know who you are or who God made you to be, you spend your life trying to figure it out. And here is God the Father assuring Jesus both of his identity and his security for the work that he was about to begin. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. When the Father called Jesus his beloved son, he was not only expressing his unequaled love for him, but also describing his uniqueness. He was uniquely the only begotten son of God. To this point, God had no other sons, only Jesus. Again, we hear the echo of Isaiah 42. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. Now we're growing up, there are, I, we're not back up. There are people growing up 
or have grown up in homes with no dad, with no father figure, and no fatherly love. They've never experienced it before. And those of us who grew up with dad at home and a nuclear family, whatever, don't think about this so much, I don't think. But for God to say, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. What words would any son want to hear more from his father? With you, I am well pleased. Now, this is um, that's one word in Greek. And it, it doesn't just mean that the father was glad Jesus showed up that day. Oh, boy, I'm glad you made it to this appointment. The word is eudokeo. And it is a verb for you uh, grammar nerds. It is a verb in the aorist active indicative tense. For those of us who live down below here on the planet Earth, that's past, present, and future tense all at the same time. What's the significance of that? It means that the verb is timeless in its force, meaning that the Father has always been is and always will be pleased with his son. The father's delight in his son never had a beginning, and it will never end. This is important. John Wolford wrote, Jesus' baptism did not change his divine status. He did not become the son of God at his baptism. Rather, his baptism showed the far-reaching significance of his acceptance of his messianic vocation as the suffering servant of the Lord, as well as the Davidic Messiah. Because he is the Son of God, the one approved by the Father and empowered by the Spirit, he is the Messiah, not vice versa. God was not pleased in his son because he was Messiah. He was Messiah because God was pleased in him. Now I spend a lot of time, say a lot of things, and not answering the question, why did Jesus get baptized? Well, my default answer to the question has always been to set an example for us. Why did Jesus get baptized? To set an example for us. And I wasn't wrong, and neither was I right. Not exactly. I used to think that Jesus got baptized to show that we need to get baptized. He set an example for us to follow. Jesus got baptized, we get baptized. And that's not wrong, but it's not really right either. I guess it's just not as simple as I was making it out to be. This must have made sense when I wrote it down. (laughs) Here is a Jesus example. Jesus was baptized as an act of identification with us. 
It's almost as if Jesus' baptism is a reverse of our baptism. Because our faith is an act of identification with him. His baptism was a sign of his intention to take on our sin on the cross. And our baptism is a sign of our intention to take on his resurrection life. It's almost like when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, when we come to faith in Jesus, we're baptized into Christ's death. And when he was baptized, he was baptized into our death. When Jesus was baptized, he was anointed by God with the power of the Spirit to do the work of the Lord's suffering servant. When we come to faith in Jesus, having been convicted of our sin, confessing it to God, repenting of it, and accepting God's forgiveness, we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, anointed and empowered by God to follow him and do the works of service that he's given to each of us. God gave the Spirit to Jesus to do the work he was called to do. And by faith, we are also given the Spirit to do the work that God has given us to do. And when the heavens were torn open and the Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove, the Father says, You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. This is my favorite part. Because when we come to faith in Jesus, we are adopted as sons and daughters of Almighty God. And when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. And he says, you are my beloved sons and daughters. With you, I am well pleased. Just as God the Father was giving Jesus assurance of his identity and security, he gives the same to us through faith in his Son. You are my beloved sons and daughters. With you, I am well pleased. Like Jesus, the Father gives us the definition of our identity and our security and this, the peace that comes with it. What a blessing. Why did Jesus get baptized? This is why. So that we would know who we are through faith in Christ. We would know that we too have the power of the Spirit to live the life that He has called us to. A life of obedience and service to Him. Of love to God and our neighbors. And to identify with Him just as He identified with us. Jesus' baptism is a wonderful and beautiful mystery. I pray it's not a mystery anymore but we would follow his example in faith. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for the wonderful example that Jesus gives us through his own baptism. We're thankful for the wonderful good news that we can identify with you through faith in your son, just as he identified with us through his baptism. We're thankful that through faith in your Son, we are given the Holy Spirit 
to live lives of obedience, to be empowered to do your work here on earth, just as Jesus was empowered to do your work on earth. And we're thankful that you give us a new identity as your beloved sons and daughters through faith in Jesus. We pray, Father, we would embrace that identity and not be confused about who we are and what our purpose is. And we would truly live as sons and daughters of God with whom you are well pleased. May your spirit continue to work in our hearts as this message reaches all the way down inside of us that we might be changed. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.